Comets in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned tracksuit man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned because each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of Section 12. Click that link, check out Renovations Press, support them on Patreon. You'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Renovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 41. So for this episode, guys, got a bit of a weird one for you, actually. This is one of the weirder of the Star Wars stories, and it's called Vader Dark Visions. Now, it's five individual stories. They're all written by the author Dennis Hopeless Hallam. Where, but the interesting thing about this is that each comic has got a different artist and a different colorist, which is quite unusual. It works really, really well. And it's one of those peculiar comics that I think is going to split fans quite a lot because some of the stories in this are excellent and a couple of others aren't quite as strong. And it's just quite interesting, really. I've seen a few people online give sort of different views on it and stuff. So it's quite an interesting set of comics. And I quite like it when the Star Wars comics explore things a bit different and a bit weird. And obviously on this channel, I haven't actually tackled many of the Vader comics since I finished the first Vader run. Now, there are at some point going to be episodes released about the second Vader run, which is set just after episode three, Revenge of the Sith. And they're really interesting. It shows how Vader got his lightsaber. Um, uh, it shows him struggling with a new suit and lots of other sort of stories as well. It's written by Charles Saul, and that's going to be very interesting to tackle. I'll probably end up tackling that sort of February, March sort of time. Um, but for now, I've got this Vader story, and there is another Vader story called Target Vader, uh, which continues a story of another character called Bailert Valance, uh, who appeared in the Han Solo Imperial Cadet comics and is the main character in the current going Bounty Hunters series. So lots of weird little things there that I just said that kind of go off tangically in other directions but essentially you know vader's great most of the vader comics are really good and this one is as i said quite a weird one um essentially the premise is that each story focuses on a different character who has had a different interaction with vader so in brief just to, in case you guys are like eh, it doesn't sound like my kind of thing just to give you a general idea of the five stories then you can kind of make your mind up the first one i deem is like vader as savior he goes down to this planet and fights a giant beast uh, the second one is where an Imperial officer basically drives himself to madness uh, due to the fear of being confronted by Vader. The third one is probably my favorite in 
a weird way. It's called Tall, Dark and Handsome and it's about a woman on the Death Star who is obsessed with Darth Vader, like in love with him. It's quite an interesting story. Uh, then number four, Hot Shot, that's basically about a rebel pilot uh, who confronts Vader. And then number five is really about someone who's trying to escape Vader and then inadvertently gets injected by something that makes them have like hallucinating things and they have a hallucinogenic trip while vader is chasing them which is terrifying and i've taken some photos from each of the comics on this i'll be uploading them onto instagram and facebook and things and one of the photos that i've taken uh it's specifically of that fifth issue i mentioned which is the hallucination one it is mental so even if you just turn off the podcast here and don't want to listen anymore go over to my instagram and it should uh, at genuine chit chat and it should be out on the saturday that this is released uh which is saturday 23rd if it's not there on the 23rd i'll be sure to upload it on sunday 24th i always make sure that i upload um, the photos i've taken of the comics and do a general post about these comics on the weekend it gets released just to kind of make sure any of you guys who are listening you know if you want to see those images and stuff but yeah it's a real interesting comic and and there's some really interesting art in here. As I said, the artists and colorists for each one are different, which does give the whole comic a different theme. And I would say in the second issue, uh, Unacceptable, it has some of the coolest panels I think I've ever seen in comics. Uh, obviously, I've not read a huge, huge amount of comics outside of Star Wars. I've read a fair amount. The numbers are growing. But I would really recommend you guys, after listening to this or even before, going on my Instagram and checking out these uh, some of these photos because some of the panels and some of the artwork itself is amazing. And yeah, I would recommend people check out this comic just as a sort of start off. It, they are interesting, but they don't change the law of Star Wars. They're not like that. They're almost kind of like interesting anthology sort of stories about Vader. So without further ado, uh, let's give some of the information and then we'll crack right on. So issue number one was released March 2019. The fifth and final issue was released in June 2019 and the trade paperback collection of all five stories was released in August 2019. Now, I'm going to read The Crawl, but The Crawl is the same in all the issues, so I'm going to start off with The Crawl uh, now, and then I'm not going to keep reading each time because you guys get sick of it. Uh, so here we go. Darth Vader is the Empire's most powerful warrior, mercilessly enforcing peace and order throughout the galaxy. Killer? Monster? Savior? What is the true legacy that the Dark Lord has left behind for those unfortunate enough to cross his deadly and destructive path? So starting off, the first issue doesn't actually have a name, it's just called Vader Dark Visions, whereas all of the subsequent issues within the issue next to the crawl, it basically says the story is called something. So this one is just called Vader Dark Visions, presumably. And the artist for this is Paolo Villanelli, and the artist is Arif Prianto. I will say that a lot of the artists and colorists noted in uh, the five collections are, or I've at least seen, are common Star Wars writers and things, so that's quite cool. I also want to clarify that each planet named in some of these comics was created specifically for this comic. All of these comics, they're not meant to be big continuity lore dumps or anything like that. They're just quite like fun stories that all occurred at some point over Vader's reign. I would have assumed that a lot of these happen around the same time most of the comics sort of take place, which would be between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. But the third issue is specifically set on the Death Star. So for timing-wise on these, they're completely random. They could be at the start of Vader's reign or towards the end, who sort of knows in this regard. But that isn't specifically the point. And also, like, the planets that are mentioned in these, as I said, they're not mentioned elsewhere in the canon. I couldn't find other mentions of them. So I'm not really going to mention planet names or creature names or anything like that. 
that because apart from like three creatures that appear, which I will specifically mention, the rest of the creatures that are just created for these comics that are just on the planets found. So if you're wondering why in this sort of episode I don't mention that many planets and things like that, the reason is just because there's no point me saying every single time, oh, Jamiri, this planet's not appeared in canon before, just for every single one that's named. So for clarity going forward, that's why. So this first comic, um, it is quite a good one. I enjoyed this one. Um, the people in it just look like kind of humans, but they've got blue skin and quite flat faces. Um, the people kind of look a little bit like if anyone has seen Studio Ghibli movies, um, there's certain, I think Spirited Away is probably the main one. There's certain characters in Spirited Away that are, they're not human. They kind of look humanish but they refer to the main character as a human, as if they aren't humans. They look maybe a little bit like that. They've got very, very flat faces. They don't really have noses. It's kind of, they've got the holes there. Almost maybe kind of like Voldemort from Harry Potter, I guess, that sort of thing, but blue-skinned. And they generally look a bit more smiley and they've got hair and things like that. So that's generally how these people look. But this basically just centers around one character who is unnamed in this. So it starts with their monologue. I found a book once, a wet, rotten little thing, but you could still read it. Inside it said, all great societies are doomed to fail, and I guess that's what happened here on CNAP. Before everything moved underground, except this place didn't fall so much as it was torn down, smashed up. Raz was alive back then, well, the droid version of alive. She shows me vids sometimes. It looked weird up here, all the metal and glass, huge blinking machines whizzing about and people everywhere, so many people. Imagine being outside, and it's loud. So loud, just from all the people. I love the silence up here. Always my favourite part of slumber. We spent the whole rest of the year down those echoey tunnels. Much as I love sunlight, the clean air and fresh fruit, I'd give it all up for this wide open, all over the place, quiet. Then an explosion goes off, and this kid, while he's sort of climbing around on a few things, is startled by it. Not so quiet, as usual today. Space gods have been knocking around up there. Some terrible battle on the other side of the clouds. Gods at war. It's supposed to be some kind of bad omen. But what choice do we have? These are the last days of slumber. Hunt and scavenge now or we'll never survive the awakening. Besides, the god we have down here is far worse than whatever it is they're doing up there. So basically, it's just this kid on this planet and he's going around scavenging and things and saying that something big is happening on their planet. They mention like a slumber and an awakening and things like that. And they can see some sort of explosions in the sky. It cuts to a really beautiful panel, actually, of a space battle going on between loads of Star Destroyers and TIE Fighters and then lots of the Rebel fleet and things. So essentially from there, Vader gets shot down over this planet, Cyanap, C-I-A-N-A-P, and... As he gets shot down, his TIE fighter crashes and everyone else who's around this little boy who's been speaking, they all run away. But this boy or male of the species stays. He basically says that at this moment, his concern for safety is overruled by his curiosity. So essentially what happens is the ship has crashed somewhere and Vader gets out and starts walking about and Vader's crashing seems to awaken something called the Ender. Now, as this giant eye, which the eye itself is about the size of Darth Vader, and Darth Vader's like six foot, so think about a six foot eye, and Vader's kind of like standing on it, and it opens, and Vader immediately stabs his lightsaber straight into the eye, and the boy comments on the like sizzling of the skin that the that the lightsaber basically cooks the eye from the inside, which is pretty horrendous. So Vader gets flung off this being that kind of roars and gets up, and what it kind of looks like is 
sort of a cross between a shark and a dragon. So it is absolutely gigantic. So it's it's colossal. So its its head is like a giant shark head pointed and all the teeth and things, but it has two eyes on each side of its head. It has massive claws and things. It's kind of like Godzilla size, I'd say. So imagine Godzilla, except the head of a shark. And <laughs> that's kind of what you've got. And that's what they call as the ender. Now, while this is happening, the boy is still sort of watching and things, and he's narrating it quite a lot. I'm not going to read out all of his narrations, because as I said, it does kind of take away from the comic, which I recommend people do pick up. Um, but he's saying, like, he's referring to Vader as this Black Knight. And his commentary is something like, nothing's going to be able to stop the end. People have tried. We've had warships go after it. She just eats them. It's easy. There's nothing's even been able to really scratch or damage her at all. This one, this guy, this Black Knight, he's got no chance. And as this guy is like watching Vader go around. Vader's like evading attacks and using his lightsaber to slice her open like an overripe pog melon, which is what the boy says, if that's nice and graphic. And as that's happening, Vader gets grabbed by the Ender and is picked up and is like kind of shook around and thrown around. He gets swatted by the Ender as well. And the boy thinks, oh, he's going to be killed, basically. What, what are we going to do? Then he doesn't see Vader move for a little while and Vader's kind of still. And the boy's like, oh, I got my hopes up, I guess. You know, seeing him kind of fighting things, I was getting more and more excited. And then uh, I guess he's not going to survive. So the Ender then kind of spots the boy and looks down at him. And as his claw goes towards the boy, Vader shows up riding basically a horse. Um, the cover of the trade paperback of Dark Visions, I believe, is Vader on this horse holding some sort of shield. In the comic, he doesn't seem to have a shield but he is riding this horse. It kind of looks like a devil horse. So it's a horse with four eyes, two on either side, and then horns coming out where the sort of ears are, and it's black. It looks really cool, to be fair. But you've got Vader riding this horse with his lightsaber out going after this thing, the Ender. Vader then slices a finger off the Ender and then basically goes towards it. The Ender opens its mouth and this sort of strange ball of light starts to form in its mouth. It kind of... this I realise that this issue is quite anime-like. Um, it's almost like when you get a character, let's say someone in Dragon Ball Z or something, when they kind of, like, you know, collect up power and, you know, the wind starts to go and uh, light starts to appear in like a ball and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and there's like streams coming out of it and things like that that's basically what the ender's doing and vader goes up to it and uses the force to shut the ender's mouth to stop that beam thing that it was seemingly charging up vader then goes for the throat of the ender and starts slashing and swiping around there's lots of pounds of him just slashing into the skin and the kid says i'm close enough to smell the searing flesh when his sword sinks deep one last time close enough to hear the hissing gurgle as he tears it back out. So it's pretty gruesome. Um, it looks really cool, uh, very much, but it is a, it's a pretty cool sort of panels and the way it's worded and things. It all works together really well. And then I'm just going to read you, this is basically the panel kind of comes to the end here, but I'm just going to read you what the boy says. It's his sort of monologue as Vader is finishing off the Ender. Then the bane of our existence, the merciless Ender who stomped this broken world flat, drops to the ground with her tongue rolled out like any other fallen beast. And out the Black Knight steps, our impossible saviour, who fell from the sky, felled a god, and set an entire planet free. Standing right in front of me, magic fire sword still flickering, this is my hero, my saviour. Why does my every hair stand on end? And the boy says to Vader, uh, thanks. And Vader says, you should not thank me, child. And then behind Vader, the Star Destroyer starts to land, blocking out the sun and things. And then the boy says, well, what is that? And Vader says, it seems the Force is with you today. 
And just like that, he gets picked up by the Star Destroyer and disappears off the planet. The boys people then, you know, rejoice. They make a giant fire and they're all going like how happy they are. And it's, it's basically kind of like the end of um, Return of the Jedi where everyone's just super happy and things. And then someone sees the boy. He's kind of just sat there eating to himself. And someone walks up to him and says, did you see the battle? Mira says that you stood and watched. And he's like, mm-hmm. And then all his people are like, oh, tell us everything, will you please? And then the boy lights a stick on fire and starts swinging it about, kind of showing what Vader was doing. And he starts his story. In the last days of what would be our final slumber, while we hunted and gathered and soaked in a few rays of the sun, and he basically says exactly the same as what he said at the start. I thought about reading it all for you guys, but I thought <laughs> it's kind of taken a bit far, isn't it? But that, that's basically the end of that story. It, it's a really cool one, an interesting sort of view on Vader. And obviously the only reason he didn't kill all those people was because he had to go. Um, but obviously those people then view Vader as this sort of deity, almost like a god, the, the savior of their people, just because the Ender was in his way. So he cleared the path. And that just so happened to be the bane of this boy and his people's existence. So this is one of my favourite of, of the stories. I think this is an absolutely excellent one. So moving on to story number two. This is named Unacceptable. And the artist for this one is Brian Level and or Level. And the colourist is Jordan Boyd. So it centres around an Imperial officer. And just for clarity, an Imperial officer is basically just not a stormtrooper. Someone who's higher up. An officer is like an admin version or commander. You start as an Imperial officer and you go up the ranks of being an Imperial officer uh, to eventually become general and etc. But that, that doesn't happen very often. Um, normally someone who's above you gets killed and then you just take their position. <laughs> so, yeah. So this story basically starts that there's Imperials. They're tracking a rebel spy who's in a spaceship. He's in the next wing. And... Essentially, the Imperials destroyed the rebel base. They managed to do a lot of damage and things. But the one thing they didn't do is collect this Imperial spy who seems to have some sort of Imperial intel that's quite important. They tell Palpatine and Vader, or rather it goes up the chain to Palpatine and Vader saying, look, we managed to do it. This mission was a success. Trying to kind of glaze over the fact that one rebel escaped, which is this spy. So High Command basically tell the Imperial, oh, cool. Well, Vader is going to come and collect the spy then because you've done such a stellar job. He'll be with you soon. It is a flashback on this current commander back when he was a lieutenant. He basically had watched all of his superiors get murdered by Vader in the room he was in, just in front of him. And then Vader basically said to him, do not fail me. So obviously he became commander because yeah, all of his superiors were murdered. So the commander's in control of a Star Destroyer and they are pursuing this rebel. They managed to find the rebel in an asteroid field and... He managed to like do a couple of clever things here and there and kind of outmaneuver them to some degree. And then the rebel ship flies down to a desert planet. Now, the Imperial officers sort of subordinates warn him saying, right, we can't go onto this desert planet. There's a massive sandstorm going on. The sandstorm will destroy TIE fighters. They'll overheat. Nothing will work. We'll just have to leave this rebel. And that's that. He says no. He demands the fact that they will go on and get these, this rebel spy so he isn't a failure to Vader and things. And so he sends all of their TIE fighters, like all of the ones on a Star Destroyer, all the way down to that planet. And unsurprisingly, all of the TIE fighters get destroyed because the sand storm just rips them apart they have no visibility overheats their engines etc and the rebel ship is slightly different so it manages to get through it i think i also mentioned earlier that the rebel was in an x-wing that's incorrect it was actually in a u-wing uh, the u-wing you see them in rogue one essentially they're in the shape of a u but anyway, yeah, so this U-Wing, it manages to outmaneuver all of these TIE fighters and things, and the commander is going mental at this point. The Imperial commander's starting to lose his mind. He's sweating a lot. He's thinking about Vader coming for him and all that sort of stuff. So when this rebel ship flees and it goes into the asteroid belt, 
the Star Destroyer follows. Against all the advice of everyone around him, the commander, who's the highest one there, forces a Star Destroyer to go into an asteroid field. So the asteroid field, you know, the, the reflector shields don't work that well against such large things bouncing off the Star Destroyer. So the Star Destroyer starts to get quite heavily damaged as it's going on. Then the rebel ship kind of flies, starts to come out of the asteroid belt after the Star Destroyer is following it. And this space slug comes out to try and bite it and basically swallows the rebel ship. Now, the space slug is the same one as the one from Empire Strikes Back. That is what you're thinking of. They're called exogorths. A little bit of information about exogorths slash space slugs. You see them first in Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, the Millennium Falcon basically lands in one. Um, They can grow up to 900 meters. Once they are sort of 10 meters, they normally grow to maturity, and then they normally split into two worms. And then that keeps going until the worms can no longer split any further. And then after that point, they then just grow to an unknown length. Uh, 900 meters seems to be around the size they get, but apparently the one in Empire Strikes Back is called CO, so S-Y hyphen O, and it's in the Empire Strikes Back certain point of view book, which is 40 short stories from supporting characters or things that basically tell the events of Empire Strikes Back from different perspectives. Uh, Now, the certain point of view book, the original one is about A New Hope, and that has some cool stories in, as a couple of NAF ones too, so that's where this is from. And for clarity, yeah, that worm in Empire Strikes Back slash Exogorth, he is called Sio or Co. He is apparently billions of years old and is considered young by older space slugs and things. And they grow quite large, as I said, 900 meters, uh, almost a kilometer, and they can house entire ecosystems. They swallow things, things can start living in them, and they generally live in asteroids, eating things that go past and minerals and stuff. So I just thought that was a fun thing. Exogorth, quite a cool name. So yeah, this rebel ship gets eaten by the Exogorth and flies out of this thing's neck and manages to to escape, and the Star Destroyer decides to follow it. The Star Destroyer follows it, and there's a really cool panel of the space slug with its mouth completely wide open with a Star Destroyer stuck in there. The Star Destroyer pushes forward and goes through and just goes through the worm, essentially. And in doing that, as well as going through the asteroid belt, the ship is in very bad condition. It is, the deflector shields have stopped working, the hyperdrive isn't working, the weapons aren't really working either, and all of the subordinates of this commander are going, what the hell are we going to do? The Star Destroyer continues to follow this rebel because this commander's gone too far now and he's basically driven himself mad, and then he follows it to a point and then the rebel fleet appear. And because this Star Destroyer has had its shields basically destroyed and lots of other parts of it are damaged, it gets decimated by the rebel fleet. And the last few panels are basically this commander left on the Star Destroyer with everything around him on fire, and he is basically whimpering to himself, and then Vader comes up to him, looks him in the eyes, ignites his saber, and says, failure is unacceptable, which is the same thing he said after he killed all of his subordinates and things. So obviously this story is about an Imperial officer basically driven mad by fear of Vader to not fail him, and in doing all of that, he just goes way over the top against all other recommendations, screws over the whole mission and all of the crew and things, and ends up getting killed by Vader anyway. And that is where the comic ends. And also just another note, this is the one that has some of the most interesting panel work in it and things. I really recommend people check out this comic just for some of the art style and things. I have taken a photo of one of them, but so many pages have got so many cool artwork panels in that I just really recommend the artwork for this issue especially. It's brilliant, uh, as well as, you know, watching someone go mad is... Yeah, fairly entertaining in the comic realm. So on to our third story. Uh, This story is called Tall, Dark and Handsome. The artist is David Lopez and Javi Pina. And the colorist is Munster 
Vicente. Now, this is perhaps the weirdest of them all. I'm, I'm not really sure. They're all kind of weird in their own special ways, especially the last one. Um, this is the one that I would probably say I enjoyed the most, I think. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell what I enjoy the most about some of these stories, uh, but it's an interesting one, definitely. And once again, it is it is worth the read. I think that the the sort of, I would probably say the fourth one is the weakest of them, I guess. I mean, the first one's just got some incredible artwork and things, and the second one's got some really cool panelings and quite interesting look at sort of how certain Imperial officers view Vader. And there's this one. Yeah, I think the fourth one, Hotshot, is probably the only one that doesn't really have anything that's that special in it. Um, Not to downplay uh, Dennis Hallam, who did all this, but that's probably the weakest. But So focusing still on this third one, um, as I said before, I think that each of these comics also they all have monologues in them from sort of the main I don't know even to call them a protagonist the main character that it centers around there's all monologues and things for all of them and for this one specifically it is a woman she is a nurse upon the Death Star so the only way to really come across how this comic sort of works is basically I'm just going to read this fairly long monologue thing essentially the visuals of this is an imperial shuttle it's um a lambda class shuttle they're basically the ones which have got sort of three fins on them just the sort of standard imperial transport it lands on the death star all of the stormtroopers sort of run into a line just to make sure that they're all you know prim and proper for vader arriving and then this nurse gets grabbed by a doctor pulled away he calls her stupid and tells her to go and sort out the medical supply closet so with that in mind i'm going to read out this monologue it's not that i don't know any better i do there's a place for everything on the death star In here with the troopers and the pilots, this is not my place. But some days I just can't help myself. I love to watch them all scurrying about, lining up in perfect white rows, so desperate to please their lord. But mostly I love seeing him, like this, leading thousands of subordinates with a look. So powerful. So perf... And then the doctor grabs her. The doctor wants me to think he's angry. He's always angry. But his voice gets this shrill when he's scared. Lord Vader has an appointment later. Nothing terrifies the Doctor more. Could have gotten the supplies himself, or sent one of the droids to do it. Now I won't be there to greet him. Won't be there to open the door. Emperor, help me. Do I love opening the door? And as she says that, Darth Vader starts walking down the corridor in which she's obviously just sorting out the medical supplies in the cupboard. I used to daydream when I was young and dumb about some gorgeous officer sweeping me off my feet, but it was never anything like this. And as Vader walks past her dealing with the supply closet, she is in his way. As he walks past, she just gets slammed against the wall and drops a few things. And Vader just walks past like nothing ever happened. He didn't touch her. It seems to be with the force where he just basically force pushed her against the wall just to get her out of the way. Lord Vader's energy crackling through me, pressed up against the cold wall. He doesn't speak a word as he passes. He doesn't have to. And it does a panel of her close up and she's blushing and says, goodness. So I want to read out those parts just to give you an idea of where this comic sort of goes and the general feel of the comic. I'm not going to read out everything because you can get the general gist of how it's going to go. Um, But so essentially from there, this nurse who is unnamed, um, she has this dream, sort of like a a daydream of being with Vader. You know, she's wearing very regal clothing and holding on to him wearing what he's wearing, exactly what he normally wears, his armor and things. And I have taken a photo of this daydream because uh, the artwork is really cool. So if you want to check that out on Instagram, you can see the sort of thing this lady envisions with Darth Vader. 
So then she almost sees Vader unmasked while the Doctor is sorting out something for him. Uh, doesn't quite, but almost does. And then Vader immediately gets up, yells at the Doctor, throws the Doctor across the room, and basically tells him to get control of his operating theatre and things. And the nurse basically slinks out and things, and she thinks to herself, oh, he hurt the Doctor, not me. That clearly means something. You know, he wanted to punish the Doctor. Once all that sort of commotion and things has stopped, she goes in and she starts cleaning um, the operating theatre, which she does often, and she picks up this little sort of shard or something. Now, it turns out that she's been collecting, like, little mementos of Darth Vader from surgeries and things. Sometimes it's a bit from his armour, sometimes it's been things she's pulled out from him, so she's got this, like, jagged bit of metal with a bit of his blood on it and stuff. She has this little box that she hides away, just collecting mementos about Vader. Then it cuts to, say, another day, and Vader comes in quite heavily injured. Uh, she immediately grabs him before the doctor's there or anything like that. She puts him into the chair and starts to try and, you know, put gloves on and get prepared. The doctor then comes in and says, oh, sorry about this, my nurse didn't call me quick enough. She should have contacted me long before now. And so obviously she tried to quietly kind of get this done <laughs> without the uh, doctor there. Then the doctor does whatever while um, she's kind of in the other room, and then... As Vader is kind of not even fully healed, the doctor saying to him, look, you're barely moving, like you, you need a bit of time, but I've got more stuff to do. And Darth Vader says, nope, I need to go out there. Um, I've got a battle to fight. This, it could all wait. Um, so he goes out there and he leaves his cape behind. So the nurse takes the cape. She basically stuffs it into her scrubs and hides in her room, which is like basically a box. Because on the Death Star and things, people have really small, tiny rooms. It's basically just a room, like as in almost a cupboard with a bed in it and a toilet. And she gets her other stuff out and she's like so happy she's got his cape and then all these other things. And the doctor basically followed her and basically questions what on earth she thinks she's doing. It's taking all these things for Vader that he's just going to get her and she doesn't really understand what she's doing. So he takes, he gets rid of her collection and everything. He throws it all in the trash and then seemingly returns the cape to Vader. In desperation after this guy chucked all her stuff away, she goes down to the trash compactor to try and find it. Uh, it's basically, I don't know if it's the exact same place, but at the very least it looks identical to in uh, A New Hope when Leia, Han, Chewie and Luke all go down that, or the garbage chute after rescuing Leia. And then, you know, the walls start to close in and, and the, I think, Dianoga, which is the weird little technical thing that grabs Luke, they're all in there. Well, she's in there, so it's, it's quite gross in there. And she's like on her hands and knees trying to go through rubbish and things, sticking her head underwater so she can see anything and she can't. And she's just kind of sat there, sopping wet, sad that she hasn't been able to get any of her mementos back. While she's in the trash come back to room, she's saying no quite a lot. And she just, as she sits there sopping wet, she's just saying no to herself and has quite a strange look in her eye. And then does another sort of daydream thing where now she's wearing armor that looks a lot like Darth Vader's and she's basically force choking the doctor saying, how dare you steal from us? And, you know, she will end him and everything he's ever loved and all that sort of horrendous vengeful stuff. And she thinks to herself, it's time. So she basically goes to Darth Vader's quarters that are never locked because they don't need to be. And I'm going to read you her monologue and some of the dialogue. Uh, all of the dialogue is from her, and then you'll see what happens. Rumour has it Darth Vader doesn't lock his personal quarters, doesn't need to. He fears no one, and no one would dare. Perhaps that's true. But I prefer to think he knew I was coming. As she walks in Vader's sort of meditation chamber, that pod, I think you see it in, it's either episode five or six, where it's a big black, almost looks like a hexagony sort of shape, and it lifts up in sort of jagged ways, and Vader's in there with his helmet off. So she says, hello? And then this is a monologue. His face, 
I've seen it in my dream a thousand times, so many different versions, none of them like this. Nothing could have prepared me. And now this is just her talking. Please don't cover it up, my lord. You're beautiful, so much more perfect than I could have guessed. And now that I've finally seen the you, the real you, now that I know the man, you don't have to be alone. I'm yours, now and forever. We can be together. And as she says that, the next panel is Vader without his mask on, looking straight at her, and his lightsaber has gone through the centre of her body. And then he puts his helmet on, says Darth Vader to Bridge, come and get this garbage out of my quarters, and she is left on the floor of his meditation chamber, dead. And yeah, so it's a pretty weird one. Um, it's a lot more fun to sort of read and go through and things. Um, it, as I said, it was, even though you know what happens, it's still quite interesting seeing someone like that in love with Vader um, and what happens to her. It just made me laugh when I read it, which maybe that's a reflection upon my my character. But you just think if someone's thinking that, they've got to have like a loose screw or something. But um, yeah, that's issue number three. So on to number four. This one is called Hot Shot. The artist for this is Stephen Mune, and the colorist is Lee Lowridge. So it does a little bit of back and forth here, sort of then and now sort of stuff. Um, it doesn't explicitly say when then was and when now is. Um, now is around the time of sort of rebellion and things. So I would presume, like many stories, it's between episodes four and five, but that is more of an assumption. Uh, the then times, it kind of varies. So let's get on with it. So it starts with then. A kid is hiding in a room and a lot of stormtroopers surround his dad. And he's thinking to himself, right, I can do this soon, just as I practice with dad. And then as the stormtroopers are about to do something, the dad runs. The kid's got a gun and is aiming at the stormtroopers, but he can't shoot. He he just can't. And due to that, he watches his dad get completely gunned down. So it cuts to, it says, deep space years later, which is essentially now. And... The pilot is in an X-Wing and he's saying that it's working. We've powered down, so their scanners think we're dead. And you can see some TIE fighters that are shooting at some X-Wings and Y-Wings. So what appears to have happened is there was some sort of small skirmish between the TIE fighters and some of the Rebellion fleet. Half of the Rebellion fleet that was involved in this battle basically hid before the battle started and just turned all their power off. So they just looked like sort of space junk. And then the others kind of did some damage and things, but inevitably got all destroyed. One of the X-Wings manages to deploy a tracker onto one of the TIE fighters that goes past, and then they can now follow. It then cuts to what, a then moment, and it's basically got this pilot who's being very, very cocky about everything. He's basically just become a rebel pilot, or whether he's just becoming one, and he's being sort of taught in a group with other people about sort of a few things, and he says, oh, where do I get my X-Wing? And the sort of person in command says, well, you come to me when you're ready. And she's like, you know, recruitment office is that way. See you in five years, kid. And he's like, five years? Give me five minutes. And then he sneaks off and goes into a, a, an X-Wing by himself. He flies it a little bit and things and says, oh my God, look, I found it. And he says, now we can go crush the Empire. And that's where the sort of flashbacky part stops. It then cuts to now and it's on an Imperial supply moon. It's not identified which one specifically, but it's there and... Darth Vader lands and starts speaking with the Imperials that are there. They're talking about certain upgrades to TIE fighters and things, but then Vader turns around and says, the Rebels are here, and the Imperial officer there goes, what? And then Vader says that you were tracked, you were played for a fool. And then you just see basically loads of shots coming down, the base starts getting shot at and destroyed quite heavily. Vader jumps into his TIE fighter and then goes after those Rebels who are attacking the base. 
The rebel pilot does manage to hit Vader's TIE fighter, but it's not a direct hit. It just kind of tings one of the wings and things. And he's kind of getting really excited about the fact that he's hit Vader's ship, but one of his colleagues says, look, we're not done yet. It then cuts to sort of at some time earlier, and it's got this pilot once again, and he's in the control room talking to people, and it's basically, he's in a group of pilots, and they're saying, right, we're going to have to work out a plan, what we're going to do, you know, who's going to take this shot, things like that. And this rebel pilot says, look, let me take this mission, let me be the, the main one, the one to take the shot and things. And he said that he's been able to fly, like, every day since he was six years old, and then he watched the Empire murder his whole world. He had the blaster in his hand, he had the troopers in his sights, but then he got spooked, didn't take the shot. And so he's saying now he's not a little kid hiding in the shadows. This war is personal. He's saying, give me the shot. I will do it. And so the rest of Rebel Command agree and say, okay, you're willing. We'll put it on you. So it cuts back to now and it's pretty cool artwork about, you know, Darth Vader basically outmaneuvering all of these X-Wings and slowly destroying them one by one. And then there's only left to be two of them. The two that are left is that Rebel pilot that's basically the main person in the story and then their commander the commander who he specifically said, let me take this shot and stuff. So the commander puts himself in a specific line of fire for Vader so that this guy will get the absolute perfect shot to be able to get rid of Vader once and for all. He has the shot for Vader, but then he is questioning to himself because his commander's obviously just died after Vader shot him. And he's thinking, no, what was I thinking? What am I doing here? What am I going to do? That's Darth Vader. He's like, I I can't, I can't. And then he just turns his X-Wing around and completely jets off and flies away and obviously just didn't take the shot. Vader then follows the X-Wing and contacts the Leviathan, which is a Star Destroyer nearby, and basically follows this X-Wing. The guy lands back on the base, he jumps out of the X-Wing, and he's like, oh my god, Darth Vader, I couldn't do it, I would have missed, I can't do it, and then he pukes, and is in the bathroom, like, washing his face and things, and everyone's like, dude, what's going on? What on earth's happened? And they're all going, you know, where's the commander? Where is everyone? Who did Vader kill? What on earth is going on? And this guy's looking in the mirror at himself, staring with sweat dripping down his face and water and things. And he's going, she's dead. The commander's dead. They're all dead. And then the last sort of panels, you see a whole fleet of TIE fighters and the Star Destroying things just completely decimating this rebel base, killing basically everyone. And this kid is looking up and saying, I had the shot. I had it. I just, I couldn't. And then the final panel is this guy with his eyes closed, crying, and half of his face is what his normal face looks like, fairly standard looking guy, and the other half of his face is Darth Vader's mask, and it just says, the end. So that's one of my least favourite ones uh, of it all, mainly because I don't really feel like it added anything. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying all the other stories did, but it was just, it's one of those stories where it's like, we know Vader's not going to die. So this guy basically saying he's going to take this shot and stuff. I guess it was kind of predictable from the start, but it also, you just, just hate the character. Like this guy's just a dick being this so cocky and saying he can do it and all these other things. And then he gets confronted by Vader, can't actually shoot. And then ends up basically being the cause of tens or maybe even hundreds, if not more of people's deaths because he was so cocky about it. And then the final panel is just a bit confusing because where it says he just couldn't, I'm not sure if did Vader somehow kind of get into his head like literally using the force or something or was it meant to sort of mirror like Anakin where in, in episode three where he just couldn't do something for some reason it's not entirely clear and I don't really like it if, if I'm being honest as I said I think this is the weakest of the story it's just a bit bland but the artwork's really nice and it's not it's not a bad comic it's, it just isn't really as good as the other ones so with that all in mind let's move on to the final comic so this final comic is called You Can Run. The artwork is by Geraldo Borgs and the colorist is Marco Menes. And just for clarity, the writer for all of these stories is Dennis Hopeless Hallam. 
So this story is the one which I would probably argue, apart from maybe the second one, would be the most best if you guys read it yourself. Uh, as I've said, like all of the Star Wars comics, apart from like the brand, brand new ones, are all on like Marvel Unlimited, which is something I've recently gotten into, and Marvel Unlimited is excellent. Uh, so if you guys did want, you know, I put details in the show notes and things, but I would say it will be under S for Star Wars, and then it will be under um, Vader Dark Visions or Darth Vader Dark Visions. Um, but this is worth looking at just because the visuals are really cool. I have taken a photo of one of the last pages because it's terrifying and brilliant in all the right ways. But as I've said throughout this whole thing, I've taken photos of each one, but I would encourage people to check out this thing, especially if you want more Vader and you just like Vader being badass. This is a pretty good way to, to kind of see it. It's definitely an interesting concept for a mini series. I'm glad there are only five. I feel like there probably could have only been four, but I'm, I would hope they don't do many more of these, I'd say, maybe. Um... I suppose it depends what the story could be. Anyway, I'm kind of digressing and stuff, so let's go on to the fifth and final comic. So it starts off in a bar that allows anyone in. You can be a stormtrooper working for the uh, Empire, you can be for rebels, you can be neutral, whatever. You just come into this bar, you give up your guns, you do no funny business, and you kind of have a good time. So this guy basically takes all these people's guns and then speaks to a rebel who he is clearly familiar with in some way. So he speaks to the rebel, the rebel gives him his weapons and things and then gives him something else and says, look, there's some intel, you need to basically store this. So the rebel goes to maybe a back room or upstairs or something and starts putting guns and things away in storage. And as that happens, Vader enters the bar. He starts literally just slicing everyone up and the visuals in this is some of very, apart from I'd say probably Vader down, is some of the best Vader action. I say Vader down, the first comic in this series and this fifth comic in the series have all got some really excellent uh, Vader action in it. So yeah, he's going around slicing everyone and things. Uh, the rebel who gave the intel to this bar owner basically takes a stand and basically starts to give Vader all this and Vader just cuts him clean in half, which is pretty brutal. As the bar owner can kind of hear all this sort of stuff going on, he just grabs a few things and just slams it into a backpack and just runs out of the bar that he's in. And outside of the bar is this big forest that he just goes straight into. And when he grabbed loads of stuff and just put it in his backpack, one of the things was this sort of box that contained the rebel intel. As he's kind of running away from Vader and things, he trips and gets caught on a flower called, or caught on a plant called the Flowering Anxinth. And he basically says that the Anxinth creates and causes nightmare bloom, which is essentially like a bad hallucinogenic trip. Um, so when you see in films, people take things like acid and mushrooms and they have a bad trip and it over-exaggerates everything that one would actually potentially see on those sort of things. That's what this comic is all about. So first of all, he hallucinates Vader chasing him and the Vader's lightsaber has turned into a dragon, a red dragon that's chasing after him. And then the guy continues to run away and things and then vader gets caught by a plant so a lot of the plants around seem to be living there's like giant venus flytrap sort of things which vader beheads one of them and then there's these sort of vines that wrap around him they remind me a little bit of the vines in uh, harry potter one which is the philosopher's stone if you're correct in english or the sorcerer's stone if you're blasphemic and american don't know why they had to do that but still little bugbear of mine but yeah the devil's snare i think it's called in the first harry potter film it kind of is a bit like that the guy then sees this sort of lodge sort of place that he remembers is like his uncle's cabin or something, but it looks like a skull. But when you see it normally, it doesn't look like a skull. But he goes into it anyway. 
In this sort of lodge things, there's quite a few taxidermied creatures' heads that are on the wall. So, you know, people hunt, you shoot someone, you cut their head off and then stuff it, put it on the wall. Uh, there's three creatures. One I didn't recognize, but the other two, one was a rancor and one was a wampa. So rancor, that's the thing, the big monster thing in episode six that Luke fights in the sort of pit in Jabba the Hutt's palace. And then the other thing, the Wampa, is the sort of Yeti sort of like thing in Empire Strikes Back right at the start, uh, where Luke gets grabbed by him, taken into his cave, and he slices his arm off. That's, that's a Wampa. So the guy, well, he's obviously this hallucinogenic trip is getting worse. He's in this lodge looking at these taxidermy creatures, but they seem to be almost coming alive due to him being infected by this nightmare bloom thing. And so these creatures look like they're coming alive and coming at him so he just starts wildly shooting his blaster and things it seems like vader didn't fully know where he went and then vader sees this wooden lodge with screams coming out of it and lots of shots firing out so vader goes towards it before vader gets in there and things this guy he's kind of flailing about and things and he steps on this sort of step to kind of go up the stairs but he's going up backwards and one of the stairs cracks and he just falls into this sort of basement he sees all these crazy things start to sort of grab him, not really sure what's there or what's not, but so he starts even screaming even more and shooting and things, and then he throws a thermal detonator, which is basically a hand grenade. He can hear Vader's breathing after the hand grenade goes off and is just basically laying on the floor, terrified and things, and he sees Vader come up to him and yell, give it to me. And that's the photo that I've taken for Instagram. It's an amazing image. You guys have really got to see it, if nothing else. The guy just throws the intel generally near Vader onto the floor and Vader picks it up, looks at the guy and leaves him to just stay there. And as Vader leaves, you see the final sort of panel is this guy is curled up in the fetal position, basically a ball uh, with his hands over his face. Apart from destroyed wreckage around him, there are no monsters, there are no people, nothing. He's just, you know, going mad by himself and his eyes are all going bloodshot and look very, very crazy. And he's just a whimpering mess. And that's where the comic ends. So yeah, some surprisingly adult and brutal stories in a lot of ways in this. As I said, it is actually quite a fun read. It's not going to be the kind of one that you read it and it changes your mind or life or anything crazy like that. It doesn't add any extreme lore, but it's like a fun thought experiment. It's and I really appreciate that Dennis Hopeless Hallam's attempt at this and really his success in this of some of these stories are genuinely really really cool uh, it's different to what you sort of normally get with star wars and things so it's always good to give things a go i'm always happy to try them some land some don't but i'd say for the most part out of these five most of them do land i think it's just the fourth one is a bit weak but yeah hope you guys enjoyed that and stuff uh, what i've got coming up I think next week I'm going to be tackling the next batch of Dr. Afra stories so that would be quite fun sort of continuing with those then after that I'm probably going to tackle the first batch of the Age of Rebellion comics, uh, which is quite fun. So they're going to be a bunch of one-shots and things, and I haven't fully decided who I'll tackle yet. Uh, I think there's eight stories in total, so I'll figure out when I get to it and see which one's kind of cool to me the most. Uh, and then the week after that, I'll be back on the main run of Star Wars comics and things, continuing that, and that'll be the Ashes of Jeddah arc, um, which is written by Kieran Gillen, who did the first run of Vader comics, and it's also going to be based basically a story about the characters of Rogue One after Rogue One. Uh, I say about all the characters. Obviously, Saw Gerrera died in Rogue One. Uh, spoilers, but you should probably know that by now. Um, and it's basically, I think Luke goes to Jeddah from what I can vaguely remember. Um, I can't remember exactly because I read it several years ago now. But if you like Rogue One, which I hope you do, because it's probably one of the best Star Wars movies, if not the best new Star Wars movie. And so some of the characters do reappear. I won't spoil here, but if you're interested in that, make sure you stick around for a couple of weeks of that. 
Uh, and then I've got, there's only a few more miniseries I've actually got that I haven't tackled on this show. Uh, one of them I think is Target Vader that I'm tempted to go into. And then there's a, there's a couple of others which don't spring out right now that I'm potentially forgetting. Oh, TIE Fighter is one of them which I need to tackle. Uh, and I think that's it for the moment. And then what I'm probably going to end up doing is tackling the second run of Vader comics. I know a few of you guys have kind of mentioned to me that you read them and you love them or that you want me to tackle them and things. And I would, the second run of Darth Vader comics written by Charles Saul are my favorite of all Star Wars comics, I'd say. First run of Vader comics and Vader Down are excellent, but the second run of Darth Vader comics, they're set like the first couple of comics is set directly after episode three, Revenge of the Sith. In fact, one of the, the way the comic starts is an extended scene of seeing Darth Vader first put the famous black armor on and things. So it's a really, really, really cool run. I think it's 25 issues. So I think that's five story arcs, if I'm correct. You find out how Vader gets his lightsaber. Um, he is still kind of struggling with trying to, with being Darth Vader and all the choices he's made and things. And it's a really, really interesting view on it. And there's some excellent and brutal uh, comic strips and things like that. So it ticks all the boxes for me um so that's really what you can expect coming up so as i said next week is going to be dr afra the week after that's probably going to be the age of rebellion one shots just a few of them after that will be the ashes of Jeddah slash rogue one in sort of star wars comics the main run and then after that i'll either do tie fighter target vader or i may start on the vader run i think i may end up doing tie fighter then i may do target vader and then after that, I'll probably do the Vader run because once I run out of miniseries, then each week will just kind of be a different series. Like I want to tackle the High Republic comics at some point, but I'm going to wait till the first arc of that is kind of done, as well as when I finished reading the book Light of the Jedi, which is written by Charles Saul, who did the second Vader run. So that worked really well. And also there's the the new comics that are ongoing at the moment so there's the main run of Star Wars comics that's ongoing at the moment uh, which is the second run that is set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi that's on the 10th comic now I think 10th or 11th uh, so they've done about two arcs there's the Bounty Hunter comics which stars uh, Baylor de Valance who is featured in the Target Vader comic I mentioned and it also has Boba Fett in it Bosk Forlum Zuckus uh, so basically all the bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back Dengar I think um, they all at some point pop up in bounty hunters so it's quite cool with matching with things for the Mandalorian quite nicely and there's just the other ongoing comics like the Doctor Aphra and things like that. I can't really tackle any of them until I've finished the first run of them. So my general idea is, yeah, finish off the mini series and things, then also get the Age of Rebellion and the Age of Resistance one done because I've done the Age of Republic because they're all just the one-shot stories and things. So I try and have some sort of vague schedule so it's not all ongoing series. But as I start to run out of the mini series and the one shots they're going to be lots of ongoing series and things which i know a lot of you are very happy about and a lot of you haven't commented on so <laughs> i'll presume it's fine uh, anyway that's enough rambling from me guys uh, just a quickie um catch me on indie comic spotlight it was a recent episode of the lone ranger where I went on there, me and Tony Freena spoke about the Mark Russell run of Lone Ranger comics, so that's quite cool. If you've been paying attention to Indie Comic Spotlight, I appeared on one where we spoke about The Second Coming and another one we spoke about Billionaire Island, both of which are written by Mark Russell, and the second one we did together on Billionaire Island, we had Mark Russell on the podcast, so that was amazing. Uh, I've also recently been on the Mandatory Marvel and DC podcast, which is once again on this very feed of Comics in Motion. I tackled the comic Death of the Family with Matt 
Max Byrne, which was a lot of fun. It's a story about the Joker in the new 52 runner comics. I think it was released 2011, I think, around that time. And the Joker has his own face cut off. He then wears it like a mask and it slowly rots as the series goes on um, or as the comics go on. It's like a five-part storyline. And he basically terrorizes the Bat family. So, you know, Batman, Robin, Red Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl, and the Red Hood, which I wasn't aware there were that many people in the Bat family because I'm a scrub. <laughs> but that was loads and loads of fun to tackle on that. And we're going to be tackling one of the other new 52 stories at some point in the coming months. And one of the previous episodes I did on Mandatory Marvel and DC was of Batman's The Killing Joke, which gets referenced in this as well. So... Lots of cool things on the feed of Comics in Motion. There's also the WandaVision thing that everyone's doing at the moment. So I'll be appearing on one or two of the episodes of WandaVision where we kind of each week release an episode talking about the episodes and stuff. So loads of cool shows on this feed of Comics in Motion as always. And you can check out my other show, Genuine Chit Chat, uh, where I've had the Star Wars author Claudia Gray on. That episode was out just before Christmas. I'm planning on having another Star Wars author on soon, but I don't want to talk about that too much. Um, And other people to do with Star Wars because I do love conversational side of things with Star Wars but I'll be releasing them on this channel and the other one uh, and then also I spoke with a band called or the vocalist of a band called Iron Tom recently love Iron Tom the cracking band they remind me quite a lot of AWOL Nation and they've their first couple of releases were produced by AWOL Nation and the singer of AWOL Nation went on one of their songs as well so if you like AWOL Nation and Vinyl Theatre and any of the sort of the new alt rock sort of bands check out Iron Tom because Iron Tom are amazing and then check out my chat with Harry of Iron Tom that was a lot of fun too lots of other things as well um i was on the first episode of the batman retrospective on the feed of the 20th century geek who is someone who regularly collaborates with us guys on comics in motion and he's been on genuine chit chat before as well so if you want to hear myself my girlfriend megan and scott talk about batman 66 and the two burton batman movies batman 89 and then batman returns check that out because megan had never seen them i'd seen them like once or twice and then scott's seen them a lot so it's quite interesting getting all those perspectives and things on that for batman and that is relatively it recently. Uh, I've been in lots of other things. I've included links in the show notes and stuff to other stuff. But you know, you can catch me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat, where I post, as I said, photos of the comics and whatnot, as well as all the other things I kind of get up to. So that's enough for me, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening. I really appreciate it. I will talk to all of you next Saturday. And as always, may the force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. This week, Comics in Motion has an excellent offer exclusively for our listeners. TKO Comics is revolutionizing the comic industry. They have creator-owned series from heavy hitters like Garth Ennis, Jeff Lemire, Joshua Desart, Roxanne Gay, and many more. If you go to tkopresents.com slash discount slash motion20 and use the code motion20 at checkout, you'll receive a 20% discount exclusively for Comics and Motion listeners. That's tkopresent.com slash discount slash motion20 and use the promo code motion20. Happy reading.